This program is being sponsored by the partners and friends of Keith Butler Ministries. Today on Live Your Faith. It's going to be 40 days. They're still there. And they're going to take him to the temple in Jerusalem, as was the law. And he's going to, of course, go through dedicatorial services. So we would say today, praise the Lord. And then that family is going to return back to Nazareth. And so they don't stay in Bethlehem. Welcome to Live Your Faith. I'm Keith Butler. The purpose of this broadcast is to help you be what Jesus said he would like his people to be. Mark chapter 4 verse 20 says, praise God, those that are good ground produce 30, 60, and 100 fold, 3,000, 6,000, 10,000 percent because of Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16 says that the word of God is the power of God. So we're going to teach you how to act on that word, how to defend with the word, and much more as we go right into this telecast in the name of Jesus. We are continuing, praise God, and again for the, for the other churches on with us today. This is the third week that I've been ministering on the Christmas story. Uh, and I would encourage you to order or watch it on YouTube or all the different ways in which today... You can see something we did the last two weeks. There are some previous points we made in the other teachings. Amen. We found out that Jesus was born in a cave, not a wooden stable. Amen. A lot of things have happened over the years, 2,000 years with traditions and for various reasons. But caves were used as stables and barns. Mangers were hollowed out spaces carved from the cave itself. Shepherds back in those days used caves as a shelter for themselves and animals. We saw, praise God, that of course, Mary and Joseph were espoused together. A girl who was espoused was eligible for espousal, praise God, at 12 and a half years of age. It was a legal binding contract that could not be broken except with divorce proceedings. No sexual relations were allowed while they were betrothed to each other, praise God, for a year. And then of course, you had the ceremony. We looked up and talked about Joseph. You know, so little as you said about Joseph, praise God, and just the fact that they say that he was a carpenter, the word tectin is the Greek word for that, and that's where we derive the word technology from. But actually, uh, amen, uh, forests and wood and all that was not in the area very much where he grew up. It's, but four miles down was a brand new city that was built at the time called Sepphoris. Uh, amen. And uh, this word tectin also refers to a master artisan, a stone stonemason, a carver, an architect, or even a chief overseer, praise God. And we also found that Joseph was not a poor man. Then we looked at what in the world was swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes, of course, are bandages or strips of cloth 
used for wrapping the legs of newborn lambs. And that was used the bundle of Jesus. And of course, the, the uh, analogy was not lost on, on them or anybody about Jesus being the lamb slain for the sins of the world and the lamb of God. And of course, those shepherds were just not just any shepherds. Who they were, they were rabbinical shepherds, rabbi shepherds. Their job was to breed and raise sheep that were used to be offered for the temple sacrifices in Jerusalem. And they were to be, of course, without blemish. Hallelujah. Now, of course, Jesus was born. And now we'll pick up Luke chapter 2 and we'll begin today, today with verse 39. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned unto Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. So Jesus is born, hallelujah, and then he's going to be 40 days. They're still there, and they're going to take him to the temple in Jerusalem, as was the law, and he's going to, of course, go through dedicatorial services. So we would say today, praise the Lord, and then that family is going to return back to Nazareth. And so they don't stay in Bethlehem, but they go to Nazareth. Now turn to Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to take the time to read a number of scriptures in Matthew chapter 2, and then I'm going to comment on them. Can I get three hallelujahs today? Now verse 1 of chapter 2 says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. We came to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ, or the anointed one, should be born. They said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, is written by the prophet, of course, that's the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art now the least among all the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently when the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, nowhere he sent them. And he said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. And when they heard the king, they departed and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before him till it came and stood over where the young child was. I'd underline that young child. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child. There it is again. With Mary, his mother, fell down, worshiped him, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should return to Herod, they departed, or not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise. Take the young child and his mother, flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word for Herod will seek the young child, underline, to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night 
and departing into Egypt. Now let's continue what I've been doing for the last couple of weeks. Defining for you who these different people were, some things about them maybe perhaps you didn't know. Who in the world is Herod? Well, Herod's name was called Herod the Great. And the reason why he was called Herod the Great because Herod, everything he did, he did it big. And wasn't no small stuff with Herod. Whatever Herod did, he did it big. And he was excellent at many things. So he was called Herod the Great because he was known as a great politician, known as a great ruler. He was known as a great architect. He was known as a great builder. He, he actually expanded the grounds of the Temple Mount, and he, he expanded the size of the temple. That's the reason why it's called that. He was, he was also, however, a great manipulator and a great tyrant. He was infamous uh, for his great outburst of anger that often resulted in great massacres. Now, this man, Herod, was married 10 times. He also ordered the execution of 45 nobles. Now, Herod had a problem because Herod lived in constant fear that he was, a coup was going to happen to him, that he was going to be overthrown. And that, you know, that, that would mean back in those days, somebody would succeed you and kill you. And so Herod was willing to do anything or sacrifice anyone to keep his throne. He was a man of great fear, great suspicion, and great massacres. He even killed his brother-in-law. He killed three of his sons. He killed his wife's grandfather. He killed his mother-in-law. And, and there was one wife that he even admitted that he truly loved. But because of rumors, he killed her too. Now, this violent behavior kept the city of Jerusalem in constant fear. Uh, and this is why the people dreaded news. When those guys from the east showed up, talking about a new king, and a new Messiah, the reason why the people was troubled along with Herod was because anytime anyone had ever talked about such a thing, there was going to be great violence and massacres and people were going to be go, go to trial and people would be killed. Now, Herod was also known for great sexual promiscuity. He died from sexual disease that he contracted because of his behavior. He was consumed by, by worms that devoured his sexual organs. Is somebody else here in the scriptures that we read. Who, who were these magi? The magi were a very elite, very powerful, and fabulously wealthy group of high-ranking priests of both the Medes and Persians. Again, if you read the Old Testament, you might remember about the Medes and Persians. Daniel was taken into Babylon, and then eventually, praise God, you know, along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and et cetera, et cetera, you know the story. Eventually, he was promoted to become the prime minister of that, not only them, but prime ministers of the Medes. He was so excellent, prime minister of the Persians, 
Praise the Lord. Well, uh, amen. Well, these were high-ranking priests of both the Medes and the Persians. They were devoted to interpreting dreams and studying the constellations, the stars, and they were internationally recognized. And they were a combination of scientists and politicians and religious leaders, but they were not kings. But they were viewed as king makers. And the reason why, of course, in eastern lands, is because their endorsements were needed to become or, or to remain a king. I mean, they were extremely powerful. They were considered to be superior to kings in their influence and power. This is the reason why when, when they showed up, Herod didn't touch them. He ain't do nothing to them because messing with them was bad news. Okay. Messing around with them because you lose what you have, uprising. So uh, most scholars, in fact, most scholars believe that the prophet Daniel, of course, who was taken to Babylon, eventually became the head of this particular group. And Daniel, of course, prophesied about a new world. Daniel prophesied about a coming savior, a messiah, so to speak, or if, if you would, who would be born. The Magi viewed anything Daniel said. Anything Daniel prophesied and the scriptures he used as being absolutely sacrosanct. And so they were strong believers in, in Daniel. Now, now, of course, they saw that star in the east. And then they began to travel across the Syrian desert to Damascus. And then they traveled south along the Sea of Galilee to Jerusalem. And we're talking about 1,000 to 1,200 miles. We're talking a very long distance. Now remember, they didn't have aircraft. They didn't have cars. Okay, amen. So they're going to do this in the old-fashioned way. And it would take you anywhere from four, five, six months to a year to make this crossing. Now, when this star appeared, of course, they're not going to show up because... They're going to bring these gifts, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. But these gifts that they're going to bring is going to take them some time to collect them and to, and to prepare what they're going to present to what they believe to be the greatest king of all. Majesty himself, the Messiah. Now, they were known for bringing gifts and kings, uh, uh, gifts to kings and, and gifts to politicians and gifts to heads of states and depending on uh, what level they were, depending, depending on what level of gift they were going to bring. But the level of gifts that they were going to bring to the one that they believed was the king of kings, the lord of lords, the master of masters, the savior of the world was going to be far greater than anything they brought to anybody else. You need to understand, when they traveled, they didn't travel alone, by the way. These are fabulously wealthy people, fabulously powerful people. So they traveled in very large caravans. They traveled with uh, uh, bodyguards. They traveled with an army. They travel with all the provisions it's going to take for them to be on the road for that long crossing deserts. So they're going to have water. They're going to have food. I mean, when you talk about when the Magi came to town, 
There was this humongous group of people who would show up that had both military ability, financial ability, political power. Amen. And it was a big thing when the Magi showed up. In fact, if you go, I'm not going to do it today, but if you read historical accounts about Magi, and you will find out, find out that even when they went to other cities, other kings were so afraid of them, they roll out the red carpet and do whatever they wanted. Now, we read here that they entered into Jerusalem. And what did the Bible say when, when they entered into Jerusalem? Now, again, remember, when the Magi comes into town, we're not talking about just a few people. When the Magi come to town, we're talking about a bunch of folk. We're talking about very powerful people, known people. Amen. They were considered to be the scientists of the day. Highly respected. Amen. So when they come into Jerusalem and they're saying this, and they're saying, you read the Greek on it, and they say this over and over again. Where is he? Where is the king of kings? Where is the, is, is the Lord of lords? Where is the king of Jews, the highest one of all? Where is he? And when he says that, it says Herod got very upset. Because first of all, that means whoever this king was was a threat to Herod's kingdom. That's the first thing. He got extremely upset. But the second thing, everybody else in town got upset too because they knew Herod. And they knew if you get, up, if you get Herod up, upset, then you can find out that lots and lots of people were about to die. Now, the word said that Herod was troubled. And that, again, that word trouble means he was agitated. He was shaken up. Uh, amen. He had great emotional distress. Amen. And, of course, the people were very concerned. Now, let's read verse 4 here, chapter 2. So when Herod had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them. That's his chief priests and scribes. He demanded of them. Where should this anointed one be born? And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet Micah 4.2, Thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Well, so what is Herod trying to do? Herod, first of all, is trying to find out what's the biblical basis for all this. Herod's going to put together a plan. Herod knows, or at least Herod thinks, I got to kill this dude, where this baby is. So I need some information. I don't know where he is. I don't know how old he is. I don't know how to find him. So I got to get some information. So first of all, he starts with his own people. Amen. And they search and search and search the scriptures, and they come up with Micah 5.2, and they tell him where it's going to be in, in Bethlehem. Well, then, of course, he then goes to, of course, these magi in verse 7. And when he privately called them together, he inquired of them, and note this word diligently, amen, what time the star appeared. And see that again, when you read that word diligently, he's asking them, you know, he's he just taking it further down. Well, what month was this? What year was this? How long you been on the road? I mean, he, he's trying to figure out how old this child must be. Okay, amen. So he wants to know where. He wants to know how old the child would, would be. 
so that he could do what he had in mind. Uh, amen. So he met with them privately, tried to get this information, praise God, from them. And then, uh, uh, notice verse 8. And then he sent them to Bethlehem. Now remember, this star shone way over there in the east. And this star is going to lead them almost 1,200 miles. Think about that. Amen. There have been, and still today, things that you can see studying the constellations that you can see for a day or two. But here we have a constant star that is going to direct them so that it takes them across the desert, takes them through Syria, takes them down, praise God, all the way to Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so Herod, but at this point, they don't know where else to go. Apparently the star's not showing no more. And so Herod tells, well, my folks says, it's right there written in Micah. He's in Bethlehem. So, so go on down to Bethlehem and see if you can find this young child. Search for him diligently. Make sure you stop at every house. Find this child. Now, of course, the scripture says young child because Jesus is not the babe in the manger. Amen. He was born. Forty days later, they're going to take him to Jerusalem. They're going to have, of course, according to the law, the ceremony about him. And then he's, they're going to return back to Nazareth. So he's been in Nazareth now almost two years. But Herod doesn't know that. All Herod knows is that the scripture said he's in Bethlehem. So he sends these wise men to Bethlehem. Now let's keep reading here. Amen. Find that young child. When you find him, let me know about it so that I can come and worship him also. But then, praise God, let's keep on reading. And when they saw the star, they rejoice with exceeding great joy. Guess what? That star reappears. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. And when they were coming to the house, so that star led them, instead of taking them to Bethlehem, it took them in the opposite direction and took them down to Nazareth. And then the star stopped and stayed over the house where the young child was with Mary. Talk about supernatural. And when they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him, and when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let me break verse 11 down for you, praise God. First of all, it says, when they fell down and worshiped him, that actual there means that they got prostrate on their face. Amen. These powerful men. Now, we don't know that it was three of them. Nobody knows that. And people just assume it because gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We don't know it was three. And nobody knows it was three, 13, 33, or 103. Nobody knows how many people it was. But however many it was, they came down, they got in that house, and they prostrated themselves for God Almighty. And then, amen, the Lord Jesus. And then the scripture said, they presented gifts.
You need the Lord in your life. I don't care what your background is, what's happened in your life. If you come to him, Jesus said, I will not push you away. How do I get born again? The Bible says if you would believe that he is the son of God, believed he carried your sin, died, rose from the grave, and asked him into your life, you'll never be the same. Yes, Lord Jesus, you would say, come into my heart, save me now. I believe you are the savior. You carried my sins. You rose from the grave and you are now my Lord and you'll never be the same. Live your faith with created to help Christians grow in their faith in God and to become rooted in the word of God. Our partners and friends are making it possible for us to do so. To thank you, we would like to offer a gift with a donation of any size. You'll receive this pre-selected book of the month, The Power of Grace. Grace is your superpower. Activate it. Please visit www.keithbutler.org and click the banner at the top to receive your gift. Glory to God! Hallelujah! I'm here to tell you God's word is true and let every man be a liar. And I don't know about you, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will stand for the Lord. Hallelujah! If nobody else is going to go, we're going to go anyway. There's only one God, and he's the only one I will submit myself to. If you've been looking for a ministry school that would properly prepare you for the call of God on your life, then prayerfully consider receiving your training through Bishop Butler program. We have trained students all over the world and they're doing great things for the Lord now. And we would love the opportunity to train you too. The Pista School of Ministry is a two year online hybrid program. And what you can expect to receive is an in-depth study of the word of God and be equipped with the tools that you will need to succeed in ministry. I can honestly say that Pistis is like no other program. So whether you are a local learner or a distance learner, you can expect to receive the same great learning experience. If you would like to receive more information on Pistis or to register for our upcoming school year, email us at info at Praise God, I trust you're receiving from the ministry. And of course, if you've seen our open, you see that we are all around the world. We're ministering, praise God, across all different sectors, praise God, up here. We're ministering across the United States, and people are receiving, praise the Lord, uh, our ministry one way or the other in over 40 nations. When you decide to become a partner with Keith Butler Ministries, we're doing what Jesus said. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Praise God. And Jesus also told us to take that word, teach all nations, and we are attempting to get it to as many nations as we possibly can. So would you pray about, see if the Lord will have you become a partner with us as we take God's word and, and the teaching of faith to the world. And thank you for it in the name of Jesus.
This program is being sponsored by the partners and friends of Keith Butler Ministries.